Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. watched it yay have you yay i've done it i finally had a bit of quiet time i didn't i wasn't able to binge it i nearly managed to binge it all in one with it being a tv series and not a movie um but i I got to the i thought i thought there are only five there's six right so i thought i got into the fifth one it was already creeping into the kind of early hours of the next morning i thought it's fine i'm gonna get this all done in one and then at the end of the fifth one i was like that's not a very satisfactory ending. And then that, <laughs> then that little box in the corner appears saying, you know, next episode in three seconds. And I was like, no. And I just, I couldn't, it would have, it would just been a little bit too late. So I watched it over two days and I loved it. And I'm not going to go through, it's not going to be a whole podcast on me like reviewing it. But my first thought is she's, and if you've watched it, you'll, you'll, she's really tall, like really tall. She is. Well, I, I think she's only actually about six foot, but she's got very, very long legs. Um, and she used to pole vault for Ireland, I believe, she told me, when she was a teenager. That was her sort of sporting uh, wow. talent. So you've got to be tall for that. I just kept... And I know it, it, it's weird, actually. A lot of people, a lot of people in movies and TV are actually probably a lot shorter. Let's use Tom Cruise, for an example. He's tiny than we imagine them to be and I don't know whether everyone else around her was a lot shorter but I just kept I just kept thinking how tall she was as this thing kept going on it was but I loved it I mean it was great it was it was gripping you kind of wanted to follow on to the next one I thought the tennis was amazing (laughs) and and I remember when I saw the blue seats I was like that's Eastbourne I know that's Eastbourne it's so weird isn't it uh, the Eastbourne Wimbledon thing yeah, it's Eastbourne, but it's Wimbledon. It's, but it's so both. weird. And obviously not calling it Wimbledon, but what was it? The championships and the sort of, I mean, it was just, oh, it was, it was great. And I've actually, I watched it off the back of, I finally got to read Judy Murray's book, The Wild Card, which has a, uh-huh. a, a, a similar theme. Would you agree? There's a, there's a yes, common, yeah, yeah. there's a common theme running through it. So I had a few days with the family. So I got to, to sort of read the book and I was like, I was like, oh, that's really good. And it, I really enjoyed that. And then I came back and I thought, I've got to watch it. And I put it on. And yeah, I'd say to anyone who hasn't watched, is it is it only in the UK or is it is it everywhere? Where is it? No, it's spreading around the place now. Um, since the launch, everything else has been announced. I'm not sure about the States, um, but there are there are ways to, you just have to Google it. Um, in most places now, there's there's ways to watch it. Okay, so there is. So I would say if if people have got an opportunity to see it, see it. And I've been telling even my non-tennis watching friends about it because it, as a drama, it's great as a, as a storyline. Um, I thought it was really well done uh, from the storyline to the tennis. To no, I loved it. And I say I didn't. I didn't quite manage to get it all done in one. Oh, I just. I looked when it said next episode. And I looked at my watch. I was like, no, I can't do that. And I, and I was going to go for an early run, so I was I was disciplined. But no, congratulations again on on everything you did with that because I thought it was awesome. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it yeah. Was... No, I was really proud of it. To be honest, it was uh, it was nice to 
to watch it back. Um, I watched it with my husband and had lots of friends telling me that they'd watched it or binged it or or whatever. But everybody seems, yeah, the, the reaction was overwhelmingly positive. So that's really good. I mean, like, you know, when it comes to the tennis, it's not, it's never going to be perfect. You know, they're not professional tennis players. So what can you do? It's the same with whatever you get actors to do. Um, there's a certain level you can get to. Um, but I think actually, you know, the the environment is more important. I think that it felt like you were backstage at Roland Garros and having the right people walking around and the right sort of setting and the right feeling to what it's like to be backstage of a major show court. I think that was really realistic. That was actually something that got reshot. It was shot early on, but the executive producers and myself were not happy with it. I wasn't involved when it was originally shot, all the backstage right. stuff, because there's no tennis. Um, but it just didn't feel like you were backstage in like a big a big event. So we, we actually reshot it at the very end um, in a new location. Um, and I was there for that. Um, so because that's in the opening scene to make it sort of feel like um, like it does. Right. You know, sort of you know with with people walking around and and how it all works and that sort of thing so i learned i think through the process and particularly watching it back that i think the environments are the real sell that that's the big thing is like if you can believe the world i think everybody can forgive a bit of technique or a shot or whatever because everybody understands that they're obviously not not tennis players um and uh and yeah i know our our fans would of course have ridiculously high standards for <laughs> the sort of tennis <laughs> they'd be playing um but it's the same in the same in a, in any um in any sort of uh show film whatever it is but i i do think that it's the world like i, I always like that in films i'm you know if i'm watching it and i'm like oh i just love this world the rest of it can sort of, i mean it can even have like bad acting and all sorts going on but i'm like oh the world is really cool um so that was sort of that was a big big focus really yeah and, and they didn't make that just with a tennis audience in mind it's a little bit like we talk about break point they're not making break point for us who work in tennis they're making it for people to bring them into tennis and this was not made just for a tennis audience this is a drama you want to suck people in and and you do that with as you say the experience the behind the scenes the getting ready what's it like and as well as the storyline and any you know it's it's a tough storyline to tackle i mean oh, wow you know that's it's an you know, and at times I didn't really like her, the lead character. I don't know whether, you know, at times I didn't feel yeah. sympathy for it. But it, so they did that so well because I, a couple of episodes in, I was like, no, I'm not that keen on Not, not that I didn't believe her, but I was like, I'm not that keen on her. She's not helping herself here. I mean, the, the emotions you go through with her just as, as that lead character, I think is, um, the, the one, the one character, <laughs> uh, n- not, not believable. And this nothing to do with tennis playing, but as a person was, it was it was the fella who I didn't realise at first he was meant to be Italian. Italian. I think he was meant to be Italian. <laughs> and Italian. He was the Italian he, tennis player. World number he, one, just one Roland Garros. Yeah, but I, he was not... He, I, well, I didn't know he was Italian for a while, the accent. Maybe he really is Italian, I don't know. But his, his character was a bit like... Oh, okay. Wow. He's he was like some sort of crazed animal, okay, his, wasn't he? His name is Gianluca. So, oh, so maybe he is. The Italian was uh, implied. <laughs> his name is Gianluca Barzaghi. So, um, yeah, it's. The, the, I think the Italian was was Im- implied. I don't know. I can't remember when the first reference is to Italian. Also, I say Roland Garros, but it's not obviously Roland Garros. It couldn't be called Roland Garros. We had to create a new 
a clay court event called the Voltaire Cup that was, uh, you know, it's very uh, a like for like, I suppose. But I, yes, no. <laughs> I think basically was he was referred to as Barzaghi, didn't always use his first name. And I think I was probably, because I was kind of doing other stuff while watching, you know, I was sort of doing all bits and pieces. And then, then the you accent... might have missed, like there might have been like an initial Gianluca. Yeah. And then, and I... uh, and then that was it. But and yeah, then... no, he was, but he was Italian. The actor was Italian. So oh, the, um, wow. the okay. player was Italian. Oh, was he? I didn't think he was. <laughs> um, but he, but he was like quite a wild and crazy, like character. So I, ne- I didn't know whether I could. I didn't feel not. You can't have a wild and crazy person winning a Grand Slam. But it didn't really fit what I think of as a Grand Slam champion. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it's just like if uh, Nick Kyrgios won. No, but this guy had this guy had this guy had like a drink problem. I don't want to ruin it for people. And then he was downing tequila (laughs) in nightclubs. And I'm thinking, (laughs) even I don't think Nick Kyrgios would do that. But I mean, maybe he has some demons. But I think it was all part of the drama. And and I'm just being picky now. From again coming in it from, but as in the tennis was, I thought it was brilliant. The scenes, the yeah. Anyone who hasn't seen it, it's good fun watch it and you're definitely going to come away with it one thing you can think of is she's really tall <laughs> so <I> just, <laughs> she is really tall I she's get... also phenomenally good i think as an actress she's oh, brilliant wow and she's irish right yes the and two leads her and aiden the, the two leads are actually both irish so just uh, but playing english people so they have english accents but um yeah she was phenomenal she's a complete newcomer really i mean aiden was our star our established star as it were, but I think she's uh, she's phenomenal. Now, I've got loads of ish this week. I don't think we should start with the ish. I think we need to start with the... I think you need to start with the tennis. And how are you kind of thinking build up to the US Open in terms of how people are playing, what you've seen? Is it kind of going according to plan? What are you sort of taking away at this stage? Well, I was working on Toronto last week. So I was with... Um, on well on the men because the women were in Montreal yeah. and it's always a competition to see if we're at the venue that has the least amount of rain and I can say that we won this year we had less <laughs> rain than Montreal we had less late finishes um we had one late finish uh and then uh yeah Montreal bettered that with the Rebacina what did they finish a like half three in the morning oh I that was, was I mean I woke so up silly. and they're still going and I thought I can't still be live it was I mean that was yeah it's so silly um but yes yeah, so focusing on the men it was a first master's title for Yannick Sinner it was um oh I mean it's so great the master's events especially when they're a week long because it's just so um like it's just it's packed the schedule just match after match after match we had Oh gosh, who did we, we had an unbelievable match on court four? I can believe it, it was Kokinakis against someone. We were like, or like Kokinakis Umber maybe or something like that. We were like, we want to do that one. It was on court four, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's just packed really until everyone had lost. So, so we had a lot of upsets in Toronto. So by the time we got to the semis, we still had Yannick, who was the seventh seed, but. That that was about it in terms of the big big names. So it was his tournament to lose, and he did not lose it. He won it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's always really nice to have the breakthroughs. But in terms of the overall balance of say semi-finals, you want to have, you know, so you you want to have. We had one match which was sort of the breakthroughs of Dimonor and Davidovich Rakina, but then you really wanted to have sort of Alcaraz, 
in the bottom section. You want it sort of weighted like that. So we've got the stars and we've got the breakthroughs. That's when I think it's at its best. Um, we had Sinner, um, who I don't think is quite a star, like a superstar yet. Of course, he's not won a slam. He's a superstar in waiting, I think. And that, I remember we talked about that Wimbledon poster predicting the Alcaraz yes. Sinner yeah, rivalry yeah. is very bold. Sinner's quite a way away. He's just picked up his first Masters event. He did reach the semi-finals of Wimbledon, but I don't believe he played anybody in the top fifty or top thirty or something like that. Anyway, anyway, you can only beat who you beat. Yeah, but I'm yeah, just saying yeah. in terms of what it means. Uh, but he's won his first Masters event. It feels like a bit of a long time coming because this was his third final. Um. Uh, and and yes, he's playing. He's playing very well. It was fairly comfortable for him in the end. Yeah, and I think good for him to have that breakthrough as he's looking to get up to that next. Well, everyone's just looking to keep up with Alcaraz at the moment. And we we were sending each other voice notes every day because you were working on it, and we're sort of chatting about what was going on. And 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 we both agreed that it's it, it's not a it wasn't a big deal an early exit. I know in Cincinnati as we talk. Cincinnati this week there's the number one on the line Djokovic is is back in action but in terms of you know not getting to the end of things in Canada it, it it's not a worry you don't think oh no you know what's going to happen to Alcaraz now I mean f- for me he's still the favorite going for the US Open and I think the big thing for me with Alcaraz is they say you learn more in defeats than victory and and he he's a casing point I mean look how he learned look how he learned through the grass not that he was losing on the grass but just how he learns and if something goes wrong what happened at Roland Garros with the cramp he learns he soaks it up he changes he develops you saw him learning all through the grass court season and so I don't see I don't see any there was a couple of whispers saying oh well what does that not bode well I I, I don't think it's a problem at all that he didn't get to the end no. in, in Canada no, no. It was his first tournament after Wimbledon. First tournament on hard. Um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to go into the US Open as the favourite, without question. Even if he loses first round in Cincy and Djokovic wins it, he's, I'm sorry, Alcaraz is still the favourite because, okay, the, Alcaraz and Djokovic will be one, one and two. So they'll be in different halves. There's a potential final there for the US Open. Um, which is good, which is good. Which is great. Excellent. Yep. We would love that. Yes. Um, but we just had it at Wimbledon where you would say that that is so much more Djokovic in in favour of Djokovic than it is in Alcaraz and he still won. And and then you would say, oh, when it went to a fifth set, that is so much more in favour of Djokovic than it is of Alcaraz. No, he still won. So he won in sort of the most difficult circumstances on grass that he's not used to in a fifth set. And um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's a... I don't know, go to the US Open. I mean, it, it's he's he's the best player. Really good for Jessica Pagula, second Masters title. And I know in the end, and we could talk about the final and the reasons for it, and you touched on it with the late finish for um, Rabakina and then Samsonova having to play late because of the rain, etc., etc. It was straightforward in the end for Pagula. She had to pick up some really good wins on her way to the final. Rabakina afterwards kind of talking about... <sighs> Things could be better. They need to be looked after better. You can't have these late finishes. And I agree, but but what is the answer when you're battling the elements and there's nothing you can do about the rain and you're on this schedule, it's a week, and then everyone moves on, etc. So what what do you think can or could be done differently to you know, it comes back to this, you know, should tennis be played? Should it be playing after midnight? You know, we've talked about this before. It's the only sport in the world where three, four o'clock in the morning you know, they're still going toe-to-toe and they might have to be back in action the next day. The same day. 
as, <laughs> as we found. Oh, yeah. Actually, Three, four yeah. o'clock in the morning <laughs> and they're on a few hours later. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd find it really fascinating to take a vote of of like of the players to see would they rather go on at midnight like start the match at midnight or would yep. they rather have been told at 10 p.m that we were going to cancel your match you're gonna to have to play two tomorrow because i personally think that it would be less damaging to play two matches after a full night of sleep than to essentially miss a whole night night of sleep and then have to play the same day anyway uh, like you, you're essentially playing two matches on the same day. It's just that one's at three o'clock in the morning, and that's just that's bizarre. I, I personally think that like, I understand. Like this is what happens with schedules. We don't have roofs everywhere. That's just that's how it goes. But you know, they did have to play two matches in one day, and it's something that I think tennis players are more used to. I think particularly when it's best of three format, I think it is completely acceptable to ask that of players. Um, it happens. A lot. Um, and it happens a lot, especially when you're in juniors and then you, you go on, you start out on the pros. Like everybody's gone through those sort of processes. People play singles and doubles in a day um, all the way to the end of tournaments and that's no problem. So I think that what she's getting at is that, I, I, I mean, if I were her, I would have said, I would much rather you cancel my match at 10 p.m. and then allow me to play uh, maybe second on and fifth the next day. Something like that. Or, or maybe does she think or do they think, well, actually, if we can get out there and get it done quickly, like no disrespect to the opponent. I mean, sometimes you don't know how long a match is is going to go, but 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 therefore that is the risk you take because you might think, well, actually, you know, what? if I start at 10 and I'm done in an hour, that's still a pretty decent finish, right? But it's then if, if rain comes in or you end up going for an absolute barnstormer of three sets, then as she said, I think she said she didn't get sleep until five five in the morning and then yeah. i mean it, it it it's tough isn't it and, I and can like see... you can't sleep that's the thing is that like you know we we've done night shifts so we, you know, we do it all the time and it you, you can't oh, just sleep until 4 p.m you can only yeah. really sleep until i don't know maybe like 11 or something like that you've got to get up you've got you've got stuff to do you've got another match to play that day like you can't just have a full night of sleep you have literally missed a night of sleep you could maybe have a few hours and that's really about it and then maybe a little nap later in the day but you're so disrupted it's so unhealthy for you as well so i think um like uh, that that's how I would be interested to see what other players think because for me that's the obvious solution. I mean, if you think back to the um, to Rome in 2019 when there was just epic, epic rain, and uh, we had a bumper day where everybody played twice. Yeah. I mean, I think you know it, it was it was a joke, and we had Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, Del Potro. We had all like we had everybody there. I mean, yeah, Federer. I yeah, I mean, Federer wasn't even on the main stadium for one of the matches. Like yeah, I we, and, and I was working was on the weird. world feed where, of course, you would always do every single point of a Roger Federer match. You would never go anywhere else ever. And I was like, we've missed it. He's finished. We missed him. We didn't even do it. Um, so, and everybody just plays the two matches in a day. And I think, I personally think that that's a much better way of doing it. I think that it's less damaging. I think it has less impact as well. We've seen people win two matches in a day. Like as I say, like in Rome, we see, we see people do it, yeah. um, and I think that if you had pushed that Rebecca in a match back to the following day and allowed her to get a full night of sleep, and then she can come in and she can play second on, so at like midday, one o'clock, 
Um, and then you know the deal, right? You know, you know you've got two matches that day potentially. And then you get a few hours off, refuel, and you can go again. I think that is so much better for a player than it is to play at three o'clock in the morning. I think it's bonkers. Yeah, as you say, it gets you... When we've come back from night shifts and and our, I suppose that what we can compare it to in recent times, I know obviously you were on the tour, but in recent times when we come back from night shift, we might have to get up and do childcare after two hours sleep. You know, it, it's not the same at all, but it's still you have to focus on something and you have to just get set and go with your day. So I, I cannot imagine what it's like for them the one thing that in grand slams defense is that they have a day off yeah. so it's still yeah. really hard but there is a there is a full day off as in you will not be playing the same day that you have you you, are, you have a day to recover and I do agree that you're still at a disadvantage and I still don't think it should happen however on these in these events when you're supposed to play day after day after day I think it is really not okay to sort of allow that as a situation because you're you're done and she has no chance of winning the title since she's because she's been up till five o'clock in the morning she's got no chance of of coming through and winning the whole thing no way and then look at sam sonova what she got one game in the final she couldn't play at all um you know it's just it just just kills it really um like that that late finish really and the knock-on just uh, of the scheduling just just killed it you know they can change things around you know they they can especially in the in extreme circumstances like that yeah you feel that something does need to be looked at and and uh, Rebecca has said look I've got to think about what I do and how I prepare because I I you know the US Open is is just around the corner and thinking US Open and and home players they must be feeling in a pretty good position you have Coco Goff winning that big title in Washington Pagula's just won the Masters in Canada Venus Williams won a match. Didn't she beat Kudamatova in, in Cincinnati? I'm not, I'm not saying she's going to win the US Open, but that's lovely. <laughs> and, and on the men's side of things, Tommy Paul recently beat Carlos Alcaraz. A, a phenomenal performance. Taylor Fritz is still doing pretty good things. Francis Tierfo, the results have been a little bit up and down, but he's still got the form. Uh, sad to see Riley Opelka, who hasn't played since August last year. It's nearly been, it's been a year now. He played, I think, on the 5th of August. He's pulled out the US Open. He's back in training. But in terms of home players, they're going to be feeling quite good on both the men's men's and women's going into the, the final slam. Yeah, and you know, with Riley pulling out, before he pulled, because he was in the US Open on a protected ranking, before yeah. he pulled out, there, he was, there were nine players on protected rankings at the US Open for the men, just the men. Wow. Nine players. It's was that before... Was that before Kyrgios pulled out? Because he would have been in on a protected ranking. Because he pulled out before... He pulled out before... No, that's without Kyrgios. Yeah, that's without, I think. I'm pretty sure there were nine. Because I was looking at it... um, Looking at it during during Toronto. It was was mad because the the cut's ridiculously hard. Nine. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe. More than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. And Nick Kyrgios now won't have played at any slams this year. But I, look, I, it's always good at home slam when home players, I'm not going to say they're going to do well, but they'll have a lot of confidence going into it. In terms of the British players, the men, so Dan Evans, phenomenal week in Washington, but 
nothing since. Cameron Norrie's, is the Norrie form a little bit of a worry? Me most recently losing from a setup against Monfils in, in Cincinnati? Yeah, it's a it's a bit a bit of a worry. It, it looks like a real struggle for him. Um, he looks low on confidence, and that's something I don't think we've ever really seen with Cam before. No. He looks just very uncertain. Um, you know, whether he's in a leading position, even when things are going relatively well. Um, yeah, the matches that I saw when I saw him in Toronto, he missed hit a lot of forehands, shanked a lot of forehands. He found that really difficult. Um, and uh, yeah, it, he just, he, he looks bothered by it all he you know when he walks around like sort of the weight of the world is on his shoulders he he, you can feel the heaviness of everything and the effort that everything is nothing is flowing it's uh it's a grind and you know you've got to sort of go through the grind but then I think a lot of players would like to point to Dan Evans and go well the guy barely won a match and then he rocks up and wins Washington (laughs) a 500 so you never know it can come out of nowhere Um, that wasn't completely out of nowhere though because I did see Dan in Atlanta and he um was he played an unbelievable match and but he didn't win it because he got to match point and then didn't win it uh, and then it all fell apart it it was one of those like afterwards I was like how is that possible to lose that match and I didn't know because of Dan's form I didn't know whether it was a okay he's now played really really well like he's produced some real quality here but he's just not quite got over the line so that's a massive step in the right direction and as much as I do think that's true I was like but also how have you lost that match like if you're even losing that match when you had done all of the work and you just couldn't get it done is it the mental side so is that that's always the battle it's like is it actually the tennis that's happening that's the problem or is it the mental side um because the tennis was great so so that's that's fine. It must just be that that's like mental side, but then it all came good in, in Washington, so it obviously was a step in the right direction. So I think all the players that are out of form will look at that for great inspiration. And Andy Murray, our problem, still not in Cincinnati, hoping to be fit for the US Open, but it does mean he will be just outside the seedings um, for the US Open. At this stage, what, 10, 11 days to go, who are your favourites to win? We, we, we'll nail it down when we see the draw. But if I asked you now for who's going to win the US Open, from what you've seen leading up to this point, who are your winners? Oh, it's a tough one. I mean, I'm I'm not sure, really. It's difficult. I want to say Alcaraz on the men's side. Um, yeah. Just because I think he will really get going. And I, I think he's just going to sort of storm away with a lot of things things coming up I don't know but maybe that's sort of wishful thinking of that like you know he's really gonna just turn it on um for the big events I'm not sure um women's side oh it's so open isn't it really yeah it's a lot it harder, is isn't it? you know Shiontek has uh not been as clinical as uh we've seen her before so it's a, it's a little difficult. I mean, I still just want to pick Shontek all the time anyway, because <laughs> I just think she has a way of really peaking, um, peaking for slams. Who's jumping out for you? Alcaraz on, on the Met. I'd love it to be Alcaraz Djokovic in the final. I'd love to see this battle after Alcaraz won Wimbledon played out in the hard courts of Flushing Meadows. That, that would just be a barnstormer. Um, so Alcaraz would be my favourite this stage. For the women's, it's really hard. I, I'm really heart and head with the women's. I want Anjoubert to cross the finish line. I wanted to get over the finish line and win it. It's hard to bet against Shuante because when she when she locks in, my God, 
she's tough to beat. Sabalenka, I still don't know whether I'd put my house on Sabalenka, despite the fact she's a Grand Slam champion. I feel like it's a bit quick for Sabalenka, the courts. I mean, as long as they're the same as they were last year, they might have changed them. Um, But yeah, it just feels like it's a little bit... She just doesn't get that time to plant and set and then really unleash. And I know that, of course, the grass is fast as well, um, but you get other sort of benefits because it's lower and and those sorts of things. But yeah, I, I feel like... I think the US Open suits the really aggressive players, but I don't think it necessarily suits like the massive strikers at the moment. But what about Goff now taking on the forehand, full of confidence, winning Washington, being more aggressive? I mean, it, I don't know. It, it, it's, oh, it's, I, again, I think the women's, it'll be nailed down more when we see the draw. I think, I think it's one of those, I, I need to, I need to hear, see who's popping up, who's popping up. I'm hoping that Andrieski is going to be in the draw. She's got a back stress fracture in the back. And oh, I just want her to get a break physically. And, and I'm really mm. hoping. But it, it wasn't her back that was was why you messaged me the other day, was it, about Andrieski? <laughs> <laughs> well, she appeared in Toronto. She popped up on our screen. And there is this rumour that I hadn't heard that she's apparently going out and has been going out with Yannick Sinner. Well... I feel like that's just a rumour. That's just somebody... And somebody said that on Twitter. Um, but we saw uh, Andrescu in the crowd. So we, of course, name-checked her. And we were like, oh, look, there's Bianca coming to watch the was final. Was she in his box? Was, was she in his no, box? No, I don't think so. She wasn't in his box. Because oh. um, I... But yeah, so and then, then somebody wrote on Twitter that apparently they've been going out. But I need more evidence than someone tweeting, I think. I just... I'm not... I don't know, maybe it'd be a perfect match. I just don't see it. But then, look, who saw Paola Bedosa and Stefano Sitspas, who, as much as we have little WhatsApp groups, don't we, between friends, and there's a lot of cynicism in these groups of people saying, no, no. But it, it, it seems, yes. I mean, it, I just, <laughs> it, it does seem like love's young dream right now. I mean, for whatever the, 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 the doubters say. I mean, if, it, if that goes wrong, it's going to be cataclysmic. I mean, oh, yeah, I know. I just, <laughs> it is a bit tense. It, I think at this point, everyone's rooting for them because it would just be so awful. Is that, I mean, <laughs> because it is so intense. But like, you know, part of me is just, you know, good for them. They're having a great time. They're clearly just loving it, loving spending time with each other. It's not quite translated to uh, Steph's results as of yet. <laughs> so we we, uh, we don't know. Maybe it's just entirely separate. Uh, who knows? And uh, hopefully Bedosa will be back back on court as well. Um, I've um, I've ordered my Christmas tree. Excellent work. That's I mean that's some planning. <laughs> um, as you know, I'm not organized. You're you're the organized one out of us two. But I just got a message from my friend saying where we get our Christmas trees from. They're pretty good ones. They 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 last. They're good. They're big. They're lovely. Not too expensive. Basically, they were going on sale. I think it was last Sunday. And once they're gone, they're gone. That obviously, uh, I told my other half. I said I've I've booked our Christmas in. He thought I meant it was being delivered, <laughs> and I said no, it's not being delivered in August. I've just I've reserved it. He was really so have worried. Have you gone and picked it? No, I don't pick out the one you want. No, I no they on the day they bring like this van round and you can pick from a selection. Or I pick like the size. I've basically reserved a tree of the size that I want. Do you see what I mean? 
Right, okay, gotcha. And then yeah. on the day that they'll bring some round and that's going to be lovely. But I just, it did feel weird at the beginning of August ordering and booking a Christmas tree, but I know we shall have one. But it also was something else that surprised me. Well, that maybe didn't surprise you about me. You went to the cinema recently and what you saw really surprised me. <laughs> Why? I just don't see you as a Barbie person. Is that... <laughs> is, I, I I don't know. Was did you want to see it? Were you dragged to see this it? This has come from somebody who's not seen Barbie. Clearly, you've not seen it, have you? Yeah, but you hadn't seen it before you went, so you can't say that. So you're like, what? Yeah, but I I had a fair fair idea as to what it would be about. Well, um, it was fantastic. I am not ashamed. It was great. It was a wonderful film. I just I and but and then I thought well. I might not have anyone to go and see it with because I think all my friends who are going to see it have seen it. And I said I could never go to the cinema on my own. Have you ever been to the cinema on your own? Well, yeah. Did that you just got to get over that. Go to the cinema on your own. Have it's you? Great. Do, ha- I go all the time. Well, you- no, I don't anymore. But I did go all the time when I was travelling around the world because I'm just on my own. I just don't think I, I could. Go to the I know it's dark, so no one would see me sitting on my own. But I just don't think I could go to the cinema on my own. No, it's fine. It's like going and having a meal on your own at a restaurant. It's great. Oh, I can't do that. No, I've never done that. Oh, it's that. so good. Bring a book. No. I it's d- so nice. I just don't think I could do that. I'd probably get Sit like... Sit in a lovely corner, reading a book, eating some nice food and people watching. It's great. You know, I've, I've been in, obviously, cafes and stuff on my own, but I, I've never gone to a restaurant on my own. I've never done it. Yeah, we should. You should start well, with going to Barbie. No one will see you anyway. Um... Yeah, go go and see Barbie. I, I thought it, I thought it was fantastic. I've, I've got nothing against Barbie, but I just didn't. I didn't think you were going to be the friend that said, "Oh, I've seen Barbie. It was great." I just, I was. It just kind of knocked me over a little bit. Um, on the sorry tennis, I I've, I knew I was going to digress because I had lots of non-tennis things to talk about. Um, Wozniacki's back. Did you have you? Did you see any of it? Have you watched any of the highlights? Any thoughts on it? Yes. Highlights I watched. Yes, because I was, I was yep. commentating on Toronto at the same time, so I couldn't watch it live. Um, but yep. I, I watched a decent chunk of it. I think Loki looks great. I mean, she's obviously in fantastic shape. She's, you yep. know, she's moving really well. She looks like the Caroline Wozniacki um, that we saw, what, four or five years ago. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how she gets on. I think... You know, she made a comment saying that I don't think the game has moved on that much because play people were saying, you know, how you think you're going to go and, and compete. So she is clearly ambitious to get back to the top. I think she's looking at the likes of Svitolina and going, I can do that. OK, but, you know, 18 months to four and a half, five years and also one kid to two kids. Big difference. Um, but she's obviously a complete machine, like her endurance and all that sort of stuff. She's she's phenomenal. I think she's going to do really well. I mean, we were chatting about this a lot in, in Toronto when it was raining and that sort of thing. The whole team, we were speculating as to how well um, she will do. I mean, and everyone came up with all different sorts of things. I mean, ultimately, nobody knows. But I could see her absolutely flying up to 20, uh, I think, with with no issues. I think top 10, I I... I don't think I can see top 10 because I personally do think the game moves on quicker than anyone really realises. Every time you go away, even for six months, you come back and it, it, it is a bit of a, whoa, okay. Um, so I, I, I wonder, but I think I, if I was going to guess, I would say that she's going to get to like 25-ish. And it's and again, I, I don't know what her ultimate goal is. And it was great to see her back and, and she won her first round match. And, and I think she'll do really well against a certain level of player. But at that very top 
level of player. And as as you say, she touched on, she doesn't think the game has moved on. I feel it it might have done. With we've seen with Svitolina, there's a little bit added a bit more offense into the game to change it up because she's kind of had to. I mean, do you see the the vintage Wozniacki game being able to get her back to the top, or does she need to make it slightly more offensive? And if if she does, how easy would that be to do to change a game style that she has had for so long? And then you add in age and you add in wear and tear and you add in having children. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult um, to make her game more offensive, but I think we have seen players do that. Um, I think... You know, she her backhand is really her strength from the back of the court, and that's something that she could really try and uh, beef up a little bit and and go for. It's it's much more being more aggressively minded, I think, rather than just sort of generating more pace. She's never going to generate loads of power. That's just not really the way that her technique is set up. That's not that's not where her strength is at all. Um, but you know, taking the ball early and just trying to step in, step down the line a little bit more on that. I think the other thing to watch out for is her wide forehand. That's always been a little bit of a vulnerability for her. And in the latter stages of her career, when she picked up the slam title and in and around that time, she got so much stronger with that leg behind the forehand. Like she was, she was always sort of half a step away from where she needed the leg to be. And it requires so much strength to get it wide enough as it were, because it's you're in a weaker and weaker position by doing that, and uh, and she she clearly really improved that. So um, it'd be interesting to see where that part of the game is at um, and the back end. But you know, really, I don't think we've seen her under the sort of sustained pressure that uh, just yet. She's only a couple of matches in. I mean, she picked up a win. I agree. I think there's going to be a certain level that's just going to be a walk in the park for her because she's ultimately she's a ball machine. That's what she's always been. Um, in terms of just unbelievably consistent, barely any unforced errors, and will play with a quality that is very, very high. And she's very physical and she'll happily be there out, out there all day. So, um, yeah, I think there's going to be plenty of players that she'll fly f- through. But she's just not going to get good draws every week. You know, that's where it's difficult. And I do think, I look at somebody like Andy Murray, who, of course, was away for different reasons. His was an injury. But... I really believe that a lot of the difficulty of him progressing over the past few years has been the draws. And I know that that seems so silly to say, but there was a run. And I think particularly maybe 2021 where the draws were just so rubbish and you can't get confidence. You can't get going. You can't be learning. You can't, you can't do anything. You're just stalled. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like, it's a big deal that he's not seeded at the US Open. I know he's done everything he can to be seeded at the US Open, but it's a big deal. He could draw Alcaraz in the first round. When you're seeded, yeah. if you're in the top 32, you are guaranteed to play players ranked below you for two rounds before you meet another seed. Um, you know, that is a massive difference. Um and anyway, uh, so it's, it's yeah, I don't know. The draws will, I think, determine an awful lot of the comeback. And I do think that that's an underestimated part of the comeback. Sure, there are some people that when they come back, they just blast through, right? You know, someone like Adele Potro was just, just stick him on the court. As long as he's healthy, I mean, this is ridiculous because he was literally playing at just such a high level and we knew the level that he could play at. But, you know, I think to like, you know, when Emma Raducanu comes back, I think back to the struggles that Laura Robson had when she came back. And I know that it ultimately ended in injury, but at the beginning, 
it wasn't necessarily because of that. It was a lot of difficult draws and low on confidence and, and scheduling choices. It's really, really hard. And actually, sorry, I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but I'm enjoying it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> everyone's going to have to listen to it. But actually, people don't realize that that is a massive part when you're on the way up the first time as well. A lot of it is about the momentum, the draws you get, obviously the level that you're playing to, but it all builds on each other. You know, you get success breeds success, opportunities come and you take them. And you do get players that can completely fly up the rankings. And I'm not saying they've just had great draws, of course not, but good draws at the right times when they've been playing well and they can push deep and they can pick up the points and then they can this and they can that and then they can they can move on. Um you know, and uh, because in every tournament, unless you are the best player in the world, and if you're the best player in the world, then your draws don't matter because you're going to win then, or you should feel like you should be winning. So it doesn't matter. But unless you're the best player in the world, there will be a certain amount of people in every single tournament that you can't beat with your current level. And if you draw from that group of people, you're going to lose or you're most likely going to lose. And it's very, very difficult to get anything going. So it's the same when you have a comeback. Um and uh, a lot of that um, is going to be, I think, is going to be important for. Uh, and we know that she's got a wild card into the main draw of the US Open, so there won't be any going through qualifying. But as you say, it's it's all about who she gets in the draw. It's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch. It's it's great to see her back. So we shall see how that pans out. We'll do more on that when we get the draw next week. Gosh, it's so soon now, isn't it? Um, and while we spend so much of our time either working on tennis, looking at it, looking at highlights, reading stuff, I have been, oh, this could be to the detriment of my, of my tennis. I've been dragged into the family fantasy football league. So for our American, uh. our American listeners, it's the English Premier League and they do this thing called fantasy football. You pick a squad of players. Every week you pick your 11, you have a captain, you, oh, honestly. And I, uh, the boys are now eight, so we thought they're old enough to have a go. The first week was so tense. I think I was top for a day. Then I had a player that didn't play. <laughs> and then I had another player that suddenly moved to Saudi Arabia. Where did he go? So I've lost him. Honestly, the stress. And one of, one of the twins ended up top. And they're already saying, what do I win? What's the prize? I mean, it's... It's very stressful. It's, oh, it's 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 very stressful, and and you know me, I'm not that competitive, but it's very, it's very stressful. I keep thinking, what are the fixtures and who's playing who and what am I going to do? So, I don't know if any of our listeners play it, or I'm just going to say don't play it. It's we've got like a family league. We've invited some friends in, and have you ever played it? Fantasy football? No, no, oh. I yeah, I'm well aware. Oh. I have uh, yeah, family members that have been very into it. Um, it's like a full time job. Oh God, it's it's worse than even today. Before we did the podcast, I was up with my, I was helping my parents, and I was looking through my my dad's team, realizing he had Harry Kane, who's now moved to Bayern Munich, so making transfers for him. I'm getting questions because the family are over in France. I'm, I'm back here for work. I get questions from the children. It's all about fantasy football. You know, what about this defender and who should I... Ha it it literally, literally takes over your life. So, um, yes, yeah, so I've been... I've been so, yeah, sorry if I... When we're messaging, I, I get distracted and start asking you about Luton Town defenders. I'm not sure why I would ask you about Luton Town <laughs> defenders, but it's, yeah, it's back in my life. I'm hoping for one... 
one season only. So we, so next week you are working on next week Winston Salem. Winston Salem, and so we will get together and do a kind of when the draws out. Is that the best thing to do? Maybe next week when the draws out, go through yeah. it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can uh, dissect and take our picks. Okay, I won't have seen Barbie between now and then, so that my Barbie reviews <laughs> are going to have to wait. If you want a Christmas tree, let me know. I'll send you the link. And um, excellent. I promise not to get too involved in fantasy football so we can we can dissect the draw next week. Perfect. Right. I cannot wait for more fantasy <laughs> I hope I have a good week. All right, I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>